Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. This week's reviewer of the week is Katie Mason Four, and hers is titled Provider Preparation Podcast. Stephanie and Courtney are amazing. I know they say a provider and being prepared are the two most important things in getting ready for labor and delivery, but I would add a third P and say their podcast is a must. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. I have a three-week-old and was able to successfully have the unmedicated birth I planned for. Woo! You can't see me, but I'm doing jazz hands. She is. It's big. The nurses with me kept making comments about how they couldn't believe it was my first child because of how prepared and calm I was. All the credit goes to these two wonderful ladies and their wealth of knowledge. This is a must listen for any expecting mama. Katie, way to go. You're a champ. Yeah, that's amazing. And thank you so much. I have to agree. I like the third P (laughs) provider preparation podcast. Prior to creating My Essential Birth, Stephanie and I both taught a 12-week birth education course, and it was a strict 12 weeks. We were not allowed to even accept students who came to us later than 28 weeks in their pregnancy, and we hated how many women we had to turn away because of that. Birth preparation is for every woman, every couple in any stage of pregnancy, and so we wanted to do a special episode all about how to do birth prep if you're kind of late to the party. Yeah. I would say the other thing that made me crazy about that and what I love about having an online course is that everybody comes in as a group, which is fun. That's really fun. That yeah. part's great. But if somebody is later in that group, then they're not, they're not getting the information that they need in time. You can't skip ahead. So it's t- it's not tailored to it's everybody. Exactly. So, yeah. And you guys, we get so many DMs saying, hey, I'm 36 weeks, and so I'm probably too late to start your birth course, so what advice do you have for me? And our response is, I promise we're not trying to be salesy or anything, but our response is always, you have time to prepare. You have time to prepare. In fact, yeah, and the moms that jump in feel mm-hmm. prepared. Like, yes, you can still prepare. Don't count yourself off just because you're in that last month of pregnancy. That is yeah. great prep time. Yeah. In fact, within, I know our birth course, we actually have a four week course completion schedule for this exact scenario, but that can be shortened to a two week schedule or a one week schedule, right? You get the idea. Every bit of knowledge that you gain about birth, how to work with your body, the best ways to manage contractions, how to resolve issues that come up during birth because they can and do your partner learning how best to support you every single little bit that you learn is going to be helpful to you. Yeah. And I will say you're not alone because that was me with my first baby. It was like 36 weeks, 30, 34, 35, 36 weeks. It was somewhere in there that I was like, oh my gosh, I definitely want to do something and I don't know what to do. And I reached out to birth educators that were like, I'm so sorry, my classes won't work for you or I don't have like a sped up thing. So I was dying looking for something like this. And so all I could do is read and reading was great, but it wasn't enough. So I I think what we have is super awesome. And the four week schedule is absolutely doable. And the best part is it's like the videos are 
what, in total, like less than eight hours. Yeah, less than eight hours of video content. Right. And so you could knock that out in a day if you had to. Right, yeah. And and so anyways, just like shoving the information in your ear, like we tell our students now, like even if you've come, we, we have people who start before they're pregnant. We've had people who start mm-hmm. first, second, or third trimester. And my uh, the big thing that we've been saying is like, Okay, but when you hit that very end of that last trimester, we want us in your ear. So just stick the videos. You don't even have to watch them, but put yeah. the information in your ear 30 minutes a day and just keep it on repeat. Keep, yeah, keep even if you've already completed going. the course, mm-hmm. keep going. You're not going to regret doing that. Totally. And we really could just say, just start, just start somewhere and end this podcast early. (laughs) I could go home. And that would be good advice because I think sometimes we get sucked into, well, do I want to prepare like this or like that? Or Or I can't do it all, so I won't do anything. Right. Right. So we could just say, just start, but we figured you would want some specifics. And so here you go. I think number one is the birth course starts off with nutrition and pregnancy ailments, which are great. But if you're during those last four weeks, like we're not going to be focusing on making sure you're getting everything in order there. Um, It's not as likely to have an impact. So we think you could probably learn about postpartum care in like the one to two days following birth. Now, I understand that's a little bit of a stretch. However, a lot of what you're going to learn for postpartum prior, unless it's things like you're making sure you made your padsicles or you have your meal prep stuff done. But as far as the like, make sure to change your pad this often, or you shouldn't see this much blood. Or if you're feeling this, give us a call. All of that's really given like right after you have the baby. So you don't have to stress a ton on the postpartum care. Hopefully your midwife or your doctor or your nurses or whoever's going to be there with you afterwards gives you a ton of information because if they're talking to you right after you have the baby, you're not going to remember it. So it should be written information that you can bring home with you, or it's something that you can review in the course after you bring baby home. Exactly. So to recap, you can skip the pregnancy nutrition. You can skip the section on pregnancy ailments, and um, you can probably hold off for now on learning about that postpartum care because your nurse or midwife or whoever is going to explain it to you right after, you know, what you need to know in the days coming. And you can always revisit those sections after if you want to. Even if you're coming late in the game, you definitely still need to be doing the three free exercises that we offer as a free download on our website. In fact, of those, I was trying to pick like, especially do this one. And if I had to pick two of those, I would say the squats. Mm -hmm. You can work your way up to um, being in a squat for a decent amount of time, even with just a week or two, right? Oh, totally. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I got up to 15 minutes in about two weeks. And this is, can you answer this question? Because we get this one often sometimes in our DMs as well. What kind of a squat are we talking about here? We're not talking about the down, immediately back up, down, immediately back up. We're talking about getting down and staying down. Yeah. So your feet should be flat on the floor. Your back should be straight. Your belly should have room in between. So your legs aren't super tucked together. They're pretty wide. And you sit in that squat as if you were making dinner on the floor or you fold your laundry on the floor, seated in a squat. And you should be able to hold that comfortably. We aim for 15 to 20 minutes by the end of the course, but I'm telling you, I was able to do that in just a couple few weeks coming up to the very end of my third pregnancy. And it was huge. It made a massive difference. So I tell moms, like, I like to push them a little bit. You know, I think that you can probably do it, be doing about an hour worth of squats a day. And that starts out like a couple minutes at a time in the morning and like just anything you're doing throughout the day or, you know, like my whole thing was like, I'd be waiting for my kids macaroni and cheese to cook. And I'm like squatting down or, (laughs) you know, I'm folding laundry and I'm squatting down and watching TV. So anything that you can do to increase that time is going to be to your benefit. And the best part about that is you don't have to take a course. You can literally just download the extra exercises and get started on those. And if that was the only thing you did, like she said, doing any simple thing is going to be better. So do that. 
So when we say an hour of squats, again, it's not up, down, up, down for an hour. We're saying, you know, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. And if you've ever seen a toddler squat, it's kind of like that. And I know some women are like, well, should my feet be pointing forward? Should they be pointing off to the sides? We give a lot of specific direction in the download. So be sure to actually read through all the bullet points about how to do that correctly. And how to do it with a partner. And how to do it with a partner. So pay attention there. So I would say the squat in that one and also the forward leaning inversion. We have talked about this before, but it's great if your baby's head down, but sometimes that's not good enough. And you really want to get them into an optimal position for birth just to make everything easier for you and for baby. And so that forward leaning inversion is meant specifically to help with that. So definitely do that download, do those exercises daily. You're not off the hook for those. (laughs) So we've talked about what things to not worry about learning. Now we want to talk to you about what you do need to make sure to try and learn. And so if you want to make a a list right now, as we mentioned all these, that's fine. Grab a pen and a piece of paper or open up a note on your phone. But here are the things we recommend you do learn about. How your body works through each stage of birth and how you and your partner can work with that flow to achieve an optimal birth experience. Explain that. (laughs) So if you understand from a physiological standpoint, what your body is trying to do, Mm -hmm. you are less likely to get in the way of it. You're less likely to interfere and inadvertently, unknowingly stop that progress or slow it down. And so if you can understand how to facilitate that, how can I assist my body? What are positions or moves or techniques that I should be doing to keep things moving along? that's going to be incredibly beneficial to you. Along with that is going to be the most effective positions for each stage and any potential stalls. And I think relaxation and comfort techniques. So just like Courtney talked about, if you don't know what the positions are, and if you don't know that you can, okay, like you have to know right now that when you get checked into your birth space, since we know that the majority of women listening are going to be in a hospital, when you get checked into your birth space, we highly, highly recommend that you do intermittent monitoring. And that means that they are putting the monitors on to check mom and baby, and then they are taking them off. They do it like, I think what they 20 do about minutes 20 minutes hour. on, yeah. 40 minutes off. Make sure that you get the time off because you need to be able to move into these different positions. And a lot of the positions that we're talking about are going to be upright positions. So you're not going to want to be leaned back in the bed. Um, Maybe laying side on a bed is a position you can absolutely utilize, but we're thinking about like sitting on a birth ball or walking around the hospital or squatting down next to the bed or sitting on the toilet or, or getting into the bathtub or swaying your hips back and forth in the shower with your partner, but things that are upright and allow for movement, your body will naturally tell you what positions to be in. But if Mm -hmm. you've seen them before, it helps your mind to recall those so that you can more easily and comfortably move into them. Um, And then along with that, the relaxation and comfort techniques. And I would put this super high on the list. Like if you like you had mentioned, your body's doing these things. What's your job? Get out of the way of it, you know, because it is kind of overwhelming and it it takes a lot of effort and energy. And I think what we see, especially when we're watching TV shows or a movie, is moms are forcing against it. They're clenching their hands. They're they're furrowing their brows. Yeah. yeah, their shoulders are really tight. That is the Lean opposite, back in bed. right? Of what, you, of what you need to be doing. It needs to be relaxed, deep 
breaths, you're calm, you're seeing positive things in your mind, you're saying things out loud that Every are positive. Every part of you, yeah, is mm-hmm. open, relaxed, heavy, soft. Right. Your jaw should be open. If you are clenching your teeth, I do this all day long, like mm-hmm. all day long, in and out of sleep. <laughs> um, if you are clenching your jaw, your downstairs is also going to be tense. And that area needs to be open and flowing and breath needs to be there. And so there's just a couple of things that you're going to get, obviously, from a good birth course, but from practice and relaxation and using the techniques and working with your partner where they can catch some of those things and help you to relax into um, maybe discomfort or tension that will be really, really positive when it's birth time. Yeah. Your partner needs to know what it looks like on you when you're interfering with your body as well. And so they need to be able to recognize that and help you work through that. Another thing you're going to want to make sure you learn about is how to navigate some of the different curveballs and what ifs that birth can present along the way. So for example, if your labor is stalling at three centimeters, you're going to want to know how to resolve that. And again, it's back to how do I work with my body through this rather than interfering? Because I'll tell you right now, if you're stalled at three centimeters and you are sitting in your hospital bed, kind of semi-reclined, that is the exact opposite. You are not going to see Right. that stall resolve easily get on less and less comfortable and, and it won't resolve. Totally. And, and you need to know that it exists. Like, yeah. Great. If you're hearing this podcast episode, great. You get it. Are you going to remember it? You know, you have to have some information behind it, I think is really helpful. Exactly. And you need to understand too, that if this doesn't get resolved, these are the different things they're going to present to you as options uh, from a medical standpoint to get your birth moving again. And what does that all entail? What does that mean for you? Um, Are there certain options that get removed? So anyway, you guys, you're going to want to know all those different curveballs, how to handle them, your options for you and your baby. Because did you know that there's a ton of stuff that you get hit with right after your baby is born, decisions you have to make right away or let your birth team know about. So you also want to make sure you get some good tips and knowledge on how best to communicate your preferences and the options that you choose to your birth team or you know, if, if something does come up in labor, you know what your options are for that particular issue. What's the best way to go about handling that situation with your provider? Right. And I think we talk a lot about you can say no to anything. Mm-hmm. And that's always 100% true and good for you to know here. But if you don't know what the options are when you say no or what you're saying no to, mm-hmm. you're less likely to be comfortable saying no and probably shouldn't necessarily be saying no and, and kind of need to lead on your provider more. Um, if I'm having questions thrown at me, I'm like, oh, I don't want the Pitocin, but I don't know why it's being offered or what the options are if I don't have it. Even if I'm asking the provider, and I, I mean, there's a chance you're not getting all the information. And so I think it's really important just to kind of have the knowledge sitting in the back of your head. Hopefully you've been listening to us for a long time and you kind of understand maybe, you know, a good amount of those things, but having the clarity on that, I think is really important. Well, and you also need to understand if a situation arises and they're saying, we, we really think that this is the best way to go. There's going to be times when the best thing to do is to say yes. Yep. And understanding when is the right time to say no? When's the best time to say yes to achieve the kind of birth that you want to have? So anyway, just I would say if I had to put that, if you're bullet pointing these, I would say understanding how to navigate curveballs and then options and how to communicate those with your birth team. 
Another thing to be doing is preparing your mind for birth using meditations and journal work. And I will link to it in the show notes. We've put this on a lot of our episodes, but if you haven't downloaded it yet, I definitely want you to do that. And that is the find it and flip it exercise. It kind of takes whatever fears or concerns or whatever. And we know, especially for moms that find us late and are looking to have a really positive birth experience, you can still do that, but you are more likely to have some of those fears and blocks and maybe some negative things kind of messing with your head. And so this is an exercise and four weeks or two weeks is absolutely enough time to get onto the other side of that. So this is an exercise that you can use to flip that information and get really, really positive in your mind. Awesome. And then you're going to want to know what to pack when to leave, and you're going to want to know about breastfeeding before you head into birth, especially if this is your first baby. Now, you guys, if you've just jotted down all those things that we said you're going to want to know about beforehand, you can go on Google and you can find some really great information for each topic. But if you don't feel like you have the time to search and sort through all of that information and you'd really like to have it just organized and done for you so that all you have to do is hit play, you know we've got you covered. Um, the My Essential Birth course, we we purposefully made sure we cut out all the fluff. We've only got in there what you absolutely need to know and we tried to make it as digestible of information as possible. Now, before we move on, Steph and I both wanted to touch on mindset work one more time. Do not neglect this. We shared this thought on Instagram a couple weeks ago, but it's worth repeating on here. We know that some of that mindset stuff can feel a little bit new agey or a little <laughs> bit froofy, you know, but your mind is one of your biggest allies in birth and the opposite can be true. Yeah. Your mind can also undermine and totally just demolish goals that you had for your birth. And Stephanie and I have both ironically been listening to some different podcasts. We love podcasts. We love our <laughs> podcasts. We love other people's podcasts. But I've been listening to the Life Coach School podcast with Brooke Castillo. I started all the way back, all the way back years ago for her on episode one. And then you were listening to Jenna Kutcher. I just listened to Jenna. We'll link to both of these. Yeah, they're in the great. Yeah, they're but both. Je- yeah, Jenna Kutcher just did a one. She did an interview with a woman who has a PhD and she talks about the neuroscience behind manifestation and it is so interesting. I so love it. So if you're wanting a deep dive on the topic, I yeah. we didn't she didn't get into neuroscience, the yeah. one I listened to. <laughs> so I think both of them would be great. But here's the general gist of things. Your thoughts generate feelings and your feelings lead to actions. And those actions often lead to the outcome or the result. So let me give you an example of this. And this is the one that Brooke used on her, I think it's like episode one. And she's a weight loss coach. That's how she kind of got her start. So it was this, she had a client who was really trying to lose weight and she set a goal for herself to uh, exercise every single day, a little bit of cardio, a little bit of strength training, but she kept, it didn't matter. She set alarms in her phone. She put it on her calendar. She wrote the goal out and yet she wasn't doing it. She wasn't doing it. And so she met with Brooke and Brooke was like, the girl was beating herself up. Like we all have a tendency to do and which we shouldn't do. Right. She was like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And Brooke said, she goes, can I just ask you a question? I just want you to be a conscious observer here. Just take the emotion out of it. What was the feeling that you had right before you canceled your last workout appointment on yourself? Mm -hmm. And the girl was like, um, she had to stop and think she goes apathy, like 
what does it matter anyway? I've tried workout programs before. I've tried a lot of the beach body, like, you know, mm. some of the crazy intense workout programs and it never made an impact before. So why would it now? Mm. And That's so sad. Isn't that yeah. sad? Because I've been there. Stephanie yeah. knows that my weight is a struggle for me and I've done things before and I've thrown my whole heart and soul into it. And it sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so, and the girl started beating herself up. She's like, oh, well, I've got to change that thought. If I change yeah. that thought, then I'll exercise. And while that's true, Burke stopped her and she goes, now, wait just a second. Is that thought justified? Because sometimes they are. Sometimes our life experience mm. like that is true for you. And so now you get to decide, is that a thought you want to change? Because if the thought then becomes, I am going to exercise not because of what it'll do for my weight loss, but because exercise makes me feel good. That's the thought you cling to. Exercise makes me feel good. Then the feeling associated with that thought is going to be a positive one. And if it's a positive feeling, a good feeling, a motivated feeling, you're probably not going to not keep that appointment with yourself. And so let's talk about this in a birth scenario here. Well, hold on. I'm going to add to this Okay, please do. So as you're saying that, this was really cool. Okay, so her name is Dr. Tara Swart. um, And she, so she was talking to Jenna and she's like, listen to this interesting, um, oh, it was a study. And she said, okay, in this study, there was people, so this is just using your mind, right? There were people that didn't work out for a week. There were people that did these, like, I think she said finger and arm exercises for a week. (laughs) Okay. And then there were people who just thought about doing them for a week. Okay. You're going to trip out though. Um, So she said, obviously the people that didn't just didn't work out for a week, they didn't see any growth in muscle mass. Okay. The people that worked out their fingers saw (laughs) uh, like they did these finger and arm. I think it's like finger arm or finger hand exercises. Anyways, they saw this like 30% muscle growth or something like that. So they actually did the exercise. They did the exercises. So they saw this muscle muscle growth. Maybe it was 50%. I can't remember. But um, I'm going to get these numbers wrong. You guys are going to be so sad at me. So I think they were maybe like 50%. The people that envisioned themselves doing it, like meditated and took the time pretending they were doing it. Visualizing visualizing yourself doing the exact exercises without doing them. You were just visualizing. They had a 30% increase in muscle mass. Same as the group who actually. So no. So if the the group was like 50%, there's just 30. But that's huge. Right. And so then they were talking about thoughts and mind work and stuff like that and how which is, isn't that you, this is our big thing. You guys visualize your birth, start with visualizing your birth. Jenna went into this whole thing where she's like, I was visualizing like my best life. And she she talked about, she was doing this postpartum. She was going through a hard time. Her friend brought her through this manifestation, this meditation. She's like, visualize this, visualize that. And, um, she saw herself in different clothing in a different house than she was living, just all these different things. And then they brought it back to the neuroscientist who was like, Now, like taking even the smallest action in the step of what you're looking at, like that's why vision boards and stuff. And she talked about when to do it right before you wake up Mm -hmm. and right before you go to sleep. Your mind is soft. It's like, yes, powerful, powerful space of time. Anyways, but I thought, yes, bringing that back to birth and taking those small actions. So like vision board for yourself, like, okay, I have four weeks left. What do I envision my perfect birth is going to look like though? And then you, you take all that information and you look at it and you visualize it and you, you see yourself doing it and working through these contractions. And maybe you're seeing yourself, your partner is touching you and holding you like, this is your best ways. Yeah. Yeah. Then those are things that you need to physically work on so that they can. But anyways, taking that like one to two steps every single day, just doing something, doing those squats, 
squats, doing the exercise, something that's going to move you closer. And it is so powerful how much energy that like momentum it puts forward. Combine the thoughts with the actions and you are going to have an amazing outcome no matter how many weeks pregnant you are. Totally. Yeah. And and the opposite is true, right? That's what I was just going to say. You can take the birth course. You can, you can take the birth course. You could read all the information. You can whatever. But if, if you're not you implementing it, anything, yeah. you're probably... Yeah. If you're like, oh, that's just side information. I just have the podcast in my ear. I mean, I on listen, the one hand, so I'm going, even knowing is helpful. But if you're not implementing anything, it yeah. can only do or so much. Or if you're not using it for the vision, like you're like, oh, I have that information. But like you don't see yourself yeah. using the information, then it's it loses as much power. Like anyways, there's only as much power as you give it. So I think that's pretty So we've powerful. given you a positive example. I want to give you what this looks like in a not so great scenario using a thought that I hope some of you are letting go of now. And that is, I'm too late. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you well, have, yeah, if that's like, your, just like you were talking about. Yeah. Right. If that's your starting thought that it's, it's too late, I'm too late. If that's a thought that's running through your mind, what is the feeling? What's the kind of feeling that that's going to generate? And if that's your feeling that it's too late for me to have a good birth, then we're probably going to see that play out in some of the choices and the actions that you take in preparation for birth and during your birth itself. And that's going to influence an outcome. And you might then end up, I'm not going to say you are going to, but you're, you're more likely to end up with an outcome of a birth that you regret. Right. So just please don't neglect that mindset work. I know that was a huge soapbox and tangent, (laughs) but I just really felt like it had a place here. No, it does. And I I think it's huge. Like when you're talking about just everything that you're putting into your mind, and that's why we talk about having positive birth stories, positive Mm -hmm. people around you, all of that plays a part. And so, yeah. And I, I, if you want to take it like to a spiritual place too, where does that come from? Where do the negative thought is that something that makes you feel good or does it not make you feel good? And which should you be leaning into? So, and I mean, that's just life lesson, right? But it absolutely works for birth too. No, but from a Christian point of view, everything's created spiritually first. Right. And then physically. So create your birth that you want mentally, spiritually, and then let your actions follow. So talking about positive people in your birth space, it is never too late to change providers. So normally we recommend if you're coming to us sooner in your pregnancy, you know, hey, pick one or two things in terms of your preferences or your birth plan and talk to them uh, with your provider at each appointment as you learn about those preferences for birth, right? One or two things, each appointment, you'll be good, right? you kind of don't have that time luxury here. So as soon as you know what your preferences are for birth, maybe you've gone through, for us, it would be um, through lesson seven in the course. You kind of need to hash this out with your doctor in one appointment. Okay. And so, so what that might look like for you is you've got your birth plan, or as we like to call it a birth map, and you take that into your appointment and you're going to have that entire discussion with your provider in one visit. And we want you to pay attention to red flags because they're still going to be there. So Steph, what are some of those red flags? Yeah. So some of them can be like impatience, right? Like, let's get this over with. I don't really care about what you have to I don't say. Have time to look at your yes. plan. Yeah. Uh, annoyed at questions you're asking or kind of like eye rolling or like the snicker. They're like, you know, like, I know more than you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are we, are we really going to have this conversation right now? Defensive if they're like, well, Hey, you know, well, of course I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest something if it's not necessary or, um, yeah. you know, things like that. Or I'll let you try. I hate this Ooh. one so much for, Hey, my VBAC moms that are listening. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll let you try for a VBAC. That sounds great. <laughs> what? 
what? You'll let me try? No. Um, dismissive language or poking fun at your plan. You you guys can feel when mm-hmm. things are off or when they're they're not jiving or they're not on your side. Like there there's a difference there and you deserve to have somebody on your side. Right. Stephanie talks about how her first appointment well, if you have a, whatever the shoe size thing five is. Five and a half. Size five and a half shoe and smaller. Yeah. Like just that sort of, you know, kind of, well, you're unlikely to have this kind of, just no, no, those are all red flags for you. And I liked to put at the top of my birth plan in the presence of just a normal, uncomplicated vaginal delivery. These are my preferences. I've already added that caveat to the top of my right. birth plan. Right. And so there's no need for them to then get defensive or dismissive or, um, annoyed or impatient with your questions because you've already said, look, I understand things come up. So, but in the event that things are kind of textbook here, this is what I would like to see happen. If they're anything but enthusiastic and absolutely, that sounds great. Let's do it. Um, you, you may want to consider switching providers. Now, I know this can seem like a scary prospect if you are 37, 39 weeks pregnant. So we have just a little t- like that kind of goes back to your Enneagram, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, are you comfortable? Like, I don't know if I would have been comfortable, but at the same time, like I've been with moms who are like, get out, get mm-hmm. out to the, like, this is I'm doing what I want, get out. And so it just, I think a lot of that depends on your comfort level. For That's sure. true. Yeah. Now let's say that you meet with your provider and you were going to have a hospital birth and red flags are going up left and right. And you're like, you know what? I think I want an out of hospital birth. Or right. even if you don't have that conversation, but you learn about birth and you're like, no, this is the kind of birth I'm envisioning. Keep in mind that when you go and you look at prices on a midwife's website or a birth center's website, that price, and they should say this on there, but that's usually that price usually includes all your prenatal visits. And since you were seen elsewhere for the majority of your pregnancy, you ought to be able to get a portion of that fee reduced. Yeah, oftentimes that's the case. So talk to the midwife and they're so, I most of the time they are so willing to work with you on that. We know women personally who have changed providers later in the game. And seriously, I don't know that we've really had anybody that has ever regretted changing late in the game. And it's probably because they have learned some things. It's it's an intuitive decision, right? Like it's a, a thought through like, there's something wrong here. This isn't going right. This isn't what I'm looking for. They do some interviewing elsewhere and everything holds true. Absolutely. I can't believe this. I can't believe birth can be like this. I didn't know I had these options. I didn't know I could have this kind of support. And then they move into that different space. And I'm sure that can go either way. Maybe you can be a a birthing at home mom and you're like, this doesn't feel right or something's off or whatever. And you interview a, a doctor at a hospital or a midwife at a hospital. And you're like, you know what, for whatever reason, this feels right for me. And so either way, I think it's just really important that you're jiving with your birth team, that your needs are met and that you're trusting your intuition for what feels right for your birth. Thank you. I feel like that's so important to be shared. So you need to be committed to learning and practicing ideally with your birth partner every single day. It's okay that you're coming late in the game, but we're going to, we're going to put the pedal to the metal here and we're going to commit every single day. So decide now how you're going to make that happen. What time of day works best for both of you? Um, are you going to do the learning part and then the labor practicing or relaxation practice part at the same time? Do you need a little incentive to get things done? <laughs> <Massages>. like every, 
<laughs> right, massager. Every time we finish our birth course plan for the day, we're going to go get some ice cream. Yeah, when we finish this episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, we finish this week's lesson. We're going to go out to dinner. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I love that. Decide now when you're going to listen to affirmations and do mindset work. I feel like if I'm just listening to affirmations, I can do that in the car. But if you're talking about visualization, honestly, I think some of the best times, like Steph said, are right when you wake up, maybe build in an extra five minutes to lay in bed visualizing the kind of birth you want to have or right as you're falling asleep. Yeah. And you me- we mentioned it earlier about the, like the meditations, but holy mm-hmm. cow, you guys, the meditation tracks are so good. So if you okay. do jump in the birth course, like that would be one of my top things. If it were me now, 36 weeks, I would, I would hold on to those and like, just yeah. start re-listening and re-listening and re-listening. And you can take those into the birth space, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Cause even They're if you're meant not, to use there. yeah, totally practiced and rehearsed and everything. It's like, great. I've got a doula in my ear. She can tell me what to do, you know, how to relax, yeah. how to listen to my body. So yeah. Speaking of doula, (laughs) if your budget and your birthplace allow for it, having a doula could be especially helpful if you're kind of late, late to the game. Um, I had a couple that hired me at 38 weeks. Have you had anybody hire you later? No, no, that's. Yeah. 38 weeks is pretty late. And she, it was kind of this scenario we're talking about. She learned about birth and what she wanted um, a little bit later. And she knew she wanted to have an unmedicated birth with her first. It was traditional, very, you know, epidural, that kind of stuff. And she goes, can you help me do that? And I was like, yep, but we're going to create a pretty hardcore plan. And she didn't, she did great. So um, a doula can be helpful just because they're going to bring in knowledge and, you know, extra techniques or comfort measures um, that, Maybe, especially if you didn't take a birth course, you might not be aware of. Right. I I think like too, sorry, it was just kind of coming to my mind. Like, don't let yourself get overwhelmed back Mm -hmm. to like doing anything is better than nothing. That really is true. And then just taking those like first steps forward. We're throwing like everything at you really fast, but it really is just like one foot in front of the other one step at a time and you're capable and able of doing it. So keep that in mind. I think too, if you decide to like jump into a birth course or you look up these things and you're, you're trying to get all the information. Um, I think be willing to do the work too. Cause the, yeah. I mean, the, the more work you can put in, the more feeling you have involved in it, like the more that you're like, this is my time for myself and my baby. I'm going to like sacrifice this time and effort and energy to get what I want out of it. Then you're going to see like the fruits of that. So, and I promise just like we've said before, every bit of effort is worth it. You may not give birth that many times in your life, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm tra- I'm thinking that of the Duggars right now. Right. She's got how many kids? Okay, but let's say that <laughs> I know the average in the U.S. is like almost two kids and maybe you plan on four or whatever. But the point is, that's not that many times in your life. Right. And so this is... Like marriage. (laughs) I hope you're not having four husbands. (laughs) No offense if you have. Just kidding. Let's maybe we take that part out. Um, Anyway, but the point is, is that I don't want to call it a once in a lifetime experience, especially if you plan on having more children, but it's a unique experience. And so um, it's worth it. It's worth whatever level of effort you're willing to put in. I think just a side note to that as well is if you do choose to change up your birth plans, especially at the end, be really selective on who you have uh, that information go to. So if your mom is really supportive and you know that no matter what you tell her, she's going to be like, that's a great idea. How can I help you? Then tell your mom. But if your mom is going to be like, why would you do that? Oh, I don't know about that, honey. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) My sweet mom was like, I had three cesareans and my sisters all had cesareans. We can't, you can't have birth naturally. Like you can't anyway. So I was like, well, love you mom, but I'm going to text you from a distance. (laughs) Right. So you just be careful because especially 
with birth, we're already vulnerable, we're already sensitive, um, and you're trying to do something for yourself towards the end that's going to make a big impact on your birth experience and birth space. And so I think it's really important that you're careful who you talk to and who you tell these things, even including your partner, how you approach it. And that can be maybe using a counselor like we've talked about before, or having just a real heart to heart. This is really important to me, how you talk to your partner about these things, how you approach them um, and including them in it. You know, this is really important to me. I want you to watch these things with me. I, I want you to do this, this work with me. I think all of that makes a huge, huge impact on your birth. And if birthing unmedicated is something that you want, just remember that this was the norm just a few generations ago. So even though you know it's safe and totally doable, other people may not be totally comfortable with that. It's okay. Just find your supportive tribe. Um, don't let their fears become your fears. You can thank them for their concern. You can <laughs> choose to share your reasons or educate them a bit. Than I am. <laughs> thank or you. not. I can tell that you're concerned. <laughs> right. But um, keep a close eye on your heart and mind and hang on to those affirmations. Hold fast to what you feel is right for you and your baby and your birth, no matter where you're at in your pregnancy, whatever that looks like for you. And Stephanie and I are huge advocates of supporting whatever you decide is best for you and um, cheering you on as you achieve that birth. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you. 